We're in a series currently called The Walk. And uh, in this series, we've been learning about different um, spiritual dif- disciplines, different, different tools uh, and, and gifts that God has given us, things that he's given us to help us to navigate our lives as Christians. Because um, life, it is a, it is a journey. It, it's much like, you know, a hike or an expedition. It's a walk. And that's why we have some of this hiking gear um, behind us up here to, to remind us that we are on a journey. And not only that we're on a journey, but that God has given us um, equipment and things to help us, uh, help us on this journey. If you think about the idea of, of going on a hike or going on a walk um, you know, through difficult terrain, whether that's uh, up a mountain or through a jungle or something like that, and you don't have the, the right tools, the right gear, uh, most likely things aren't going to work out. You're not going to reach your destination. You might even die. Um, to be frank, <laughs> you got to have the stuff you need, right? Um, so, uh, but in a lot of times in, in Christianity, we, we enter into the Christian life. We start out on this walk, but we are not given the tools. We're not equipped with the things that we need to help us, uh, to help us in our walk. But God, meanwhile, has given us so many things. He's given us a lot of different uh, things to help us on this journey. So, um, one of those things that, that Wendy taught us about last week was the Holy Spirit. And she talked about how the Holy Spirit is like uh, a map. So with a map, you know, we have an idea of, of how to get to where we're going. And that's much like how the Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is for us as Christians. It, it guides us. It helps us to have an idea of, of where we're trying to, to, to get to and what path to take to get there. Also, what path to avoid. We need the spirit in our lives to help guide us much the way that we need a, a map to help guide us um, in our life. I mean, or on a hike or on a journey or something like that. So uh, the Holy Spirit is a very important tool. That w- and if you haven't listened to Wendy's um, sermon, you can hear it online. It was an, it was an amazing um, lesson, very convicting and impactful for me personally. Um, and today we're going to talk about another tool, another thing that God has given us to help us on our walk, which is prayer. So as I was um, thinking about this series, The Walk, and I was thinking about uh, the analogies, you know, how could we, uh, what analogy is, is a good analogy for, for prayer uh, when thinking of like a journey or a hike that we're on, um, I talked with a few people and got some feedback, and the thing that I, I settled on, I think prayer is kind of like having uh, a person with you, a, a person alongside you to, to help you throughout your journey. It's like having um, having a prepared guide, having a, a person who's there um, who can help give you the things that you need in order to be successful, can help meet the needs and provide you with the equipment and the gear, but also someone who's there that can help remind you of the greater purpose for why you're on the walk in the first place and can encourage you uh, when things get difficult and when things get hard. So um, if any of you know Larry, uh, the pastor here, the lead pastor, you know that um, this series is kind of uh, close to his heart. He's, uh, you know, the guy that, that loves the outdoors. He loves um, adventurous types of stuff. And I think he's actually a great example um, of this idea of, like, a prepared guide. Um, if you've ever gone on any trip with him, you know that uh, if he's one thing, it's prepared. He, he always has anything you could possibly need, um, you know, for whatever type of trip you're on. So, um, last year, for the first time, I went on a ski trip with Larry. I had never gone on a ski trip before. I had skied like once or twice before, so 
Um, I knew how to ski, but uh, I didn't, like, have anything that you need to go on a ski trip. Um, obviously, you need your basic equipment like skis, a helmet, and whatever these things are called, ski poles, ski poles, that, that stuff. Um, you need that equipment in order to, to go skiing, but not just that. You really need a, a lot of warm clothes. You need a lot of gear to protect yourself from, uh, from the elements, from the cold weather. And we, were, uh, we went on this trip. We were in Vermont, um, and it was like February on the top of a mountain. It was absolutely freezing. The, the temperature got down uh, to, the, to the single digits. Without, you know, all the right clothes, there's no way that I could have withstood that cold. And I didn't have any of those things, but I had Larry. And Larry had anything I could possibly have needed. You know, he had it. If I needed something, I just let him know. And he, he had anything that I could need. So having him there with me to, to, to be there alongside me, it helped me have the equipment, have the gear have the right tools that I needed in order to enjoy that trip. But not only did he help me in that way by giving me, you know, the, the right stuff that I needed, but also um, he was there, like, as moral support because, you know, when that day when it was, when it was so cold out there, I did not want to stay skiing. I was like, I'm just going to go back to the, to the place where we're staying and just get warm because I, I didn't think I could endure it or handle it, um, handle the cold, but... But Larry was there, and he encouraged me to stay, and he reminded me of, you know, how beautiful the view was when we would get to the top of the mountain and how amazing and, like, uh, how much of a spiritual experience it was just to be out in nature and how much fun we were having. Um, and as he reminded me of all these things, as he reminded me of the purpose of why we were there in the first place, that gave me, you know, the encouragement that I needed, the strength, so to speak, to, to overcome um, the cold and to stay out there and to, and, and to enjoy uh, our trip. So I did. I actually stayed out. I don't know how, but I did. Um, and I think that that's a good way for, for us to think about prayer, that God is with us. He's alongside us as we go throughout our journey in life, as we go on this walk. He's there to, to help equip us with the things that we need to overcome the different trials that, that we encounter, to, to help us live into the calling that he's given us. But he's also there to encourage us when we're ready to quit. Through prayer, God reminds us of his greater purpose, of his purpose for our lives. And, and, and through prayer, we find strength to continue forward and to overcome whatever obstacles we may be confronted with. So today, we're going to look at a story in the Bible. It's a time where um, Jesus goes through a, a very difficult emotional trial, and he reaches out to God. But first, uh, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for bringing us here this morning, Lord. We thank you for the gift of prayer, for the ability to, to communicate with you, to talk with you, to share the things that we're feeling, to share the things that we're burdened with, God. Lord, we just ask that you would uh, encourage each and every one of us this morning, Lord. Sharpen us, prepare us, uh, help us to be a, a people that are a praying people, people of faith who, who reach, out to, reach out to you in prayer. Amen. So towards the very end of Jesus' life, the night before he was going to be crucified, he went with his disciples to a garden called Gethsemane. And after they got to the garden, Jesus took 
the three disciples that he was closest with, they were Peter, James, and John. He took them, and, 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 and they went a little further into the garden. And he asked his friends to, to stay there with him, to keep watch, and to pray, to pray for him. And then he went a little bit off to the side uh, by himself. And Jesus got down on his knees, and he cried out to God. He asked God to take this cup from him that he was about to drink, which, which meant to, to save him from what he was about to have to face, which was his own death and crucifixion. And after he spent some time there praying to God, he walked back to where his friends, Peter, James, and John, were, and he found them sleeping. He was uh, upset with them for, for sleeping, and, and he asked them to please keep praying. He told them that their, their spirit was willing, but their flesh was weak. Then he went back to where he was, alone by himself, and he kept praying. He cried out to God again, and this time he said, God, if it's not possible for your will to be done unless I drink of this cup, then may your will be done. And he came back a second time, and he found his disciples there sleeping again. Um, he prayed one last time. And then he woke up his friends, and he told them that it was time for him to be handed over to sinners. And Judas, who was the, the disciple who would betray him, who would hand him over to, to the authorities to be crucified, entered into the garden. So this, this story that I just told you, it comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 26, um, starting in verse 36. And I'm going uh, to go through and kind of... Just point out a couple of things that, that we see that are interesting in this story. But one thing overall about this story that I think is, uh, is interesting um, is the way that it portrays prayer. When we think about praying, oftentimes I think we think of presenting a request to God, sharing something with him, asking him for something, and then him either giving it to us or not giving it to us. It's a way to, to kind of get something, to, to receive something, whether that's healing or, or a blessing, and, and that is not wrong. That is what prayer is. That's one aspect of prayer, and there are examples all throughout the Bible of that, of people uh, crying out to God and, and, and asking him to heal them, and he does. He, he, he grants uh, those prayers oftentimes. There's many, many stories of this. There's even times in, in the Bible where, um, where people uh, ask God to have mercy on certain groups of people and ask him for his anger to subside and and, and the Lord answers those prayers. It's, it's incredible to see the powerful things in ways that, that the world has been affected and changed because of prayers of, of Christians and people uh, in the Bible. But the, the thing that's, that's interesting uh, about this prayer uh, is that it's a bit different than those other examples of prayer. Because the, the first words that Jesus prayed that night, they weren't really answered the way that he prayed them. And we see throughout this story, we see an evolution almost of his words and his attitude towards what was about to happen to him the next day. So I'm going to come back to that. But the, the first thing that, that I want us just to make note of as we look at this story is that Jesus wasn't alone. So in this moment, he took his, his three closest disciples, his, his closest friends in the world, into this place um, with him in this, you know, into this place of, of vulnerability and, and fear that he was experiencing. And he said to them in Matthew 26, verse 38, 
He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He was, here he was, Jesus, on the eve of, of his crucifixion, completely aware of what he was about to go through, the, the physical and, and emotional torment, the, the, the wrath of God was about to be absorbed in his body, which was the, the greatest injustice in human history, and he was scared. He was uh, overwhelmed with sorrow, but he didn't try to to bear that burden alone or to, to sit on that feeling uh, by himself. He shared what he was going through with his disciples. He wanted that support of, of his friends. Prayer, and, and, and even not just prayer, but, but grief, are communal practices for Christians. As the body of believers, we're supposed to work together, to come together, to build each other up, but also to bear one another's burdens. Jesus asked the disciples to be there with him, to just stay with him throughout this night, to just be awake, to be looking after him, to be praying with him, to be present with him in that moment of great sadness and fear. And then we read in verse 39, Jesus prays, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Jesus knew what he was about to go through. Uh, and with all of that weight, the weight of the world on his shoulders, he asked God for another way. May this cup be taken from me was a way of saying, don't let your wrath fall on me. Please don't let this happen. He's begging God to spare him from what he knows is right ahead of him. And I think that that's something, uh, that's a place that, all of us have been. We've all been there when we go through trials, when we go through struggles. Oftentimes, we just want God to spare us. When we deal with different health issues or, or depression, when we go through financial difficulties, we have a hard time uh, finding a job, or when there's issues in our family with, with the relationships around us. And then obviously, when we go through uh, moments of loss or, or grief, when we lose loved ones, oftentimes we just cry out to God. We ask him to heal us, to save us, to spare us, to protect us. We ask him just to please take this cup from us. We tend to feel the same way oftentimes that Jesus felt here in this story when he cried out to God to take the cup from him. And I want to point out that that's, that's healthy, that's good. It's important for us, it's biblical for us to cry out to God out of our place of pain, out of our place of vulnerability. Prayer is a gift God's given us to allow us to communicate with him and to be uh, in an active relationship with him. And he wants to hear what we're feeling. He wants to hear what we're going through. He wants to know the, the yearning of our heart. And sometimes when we pray, he's going to answer our prayer exactly how we pray it. But sometimes he may not. After Jesus expressed this deep sorrow that he was feeling, after he cried out to God with his desire for, for the cup to be taken from him, the next words that he prayed were, yet not as I will, but as you will. Even though this, this difficult and, and terrible thing is about to happen, 
And Jesus is crying out, asking God, please, please spare me from this. He's asking God, don't make me go through this. After praying that and, and sharing that, to, he, the next thing he asks is for God's will to be done. Not as I will, but as you will. This is a, a statement of faith, a statement of, of great faith, a statement of trust. And it's an attitude that, that all of us as Christians should take into our prayer life. Not as I will, but as you will. It's, a, it's an affirmation that, that we believe that God is good. That we believe that, that God is, is in control. That we believe that God can use any circumstance, no matter how difficult it may be, to, to bring about a, a better future reality for the world. This is what Jesus prayed. Asserting that, that you know, even though what he was going to endure was, was going to be difficult and he didn't want to go through it, he knew that God was in control. He knew that was a part of God's bigger plan to redeem the entire world, to redeem all of creation. And it was more important to Jesus that God's will be done than his own body's earthly desire. It's good for us to, to express what we're feeling to God, whatever it is that we're going through. And it's good for us to pray for whatever outcome that we hope to see happen. But it's also very important that we approach God with humility, that we acknowledge in our prayer that he is God and that we are not, and that, that, that when we pray, we seek ultimately his will above our own will, no matter what the outcome could end up being. In the next prayer that Jesus prays this night in Gethsemane, we can kind of see that he's gaining peace. He's gaining strength in knowing and being sure of what it is that God wants him to do. And that assuredness is ultimately what is going to help him go and endure the cross. In verse 42, he says, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. He's come to, to the realization that this is God's will. In his crucifixion, this is the only way to achieve it. It's the only way to achieve God's will. And through prayer, through praying to God, reaching out to him, his resistance to what was about to happen, the temptation for him to, to escape, to go in the other direction, to turn around, to not face this death and this brutality was overcome. Prayer is a tool that we have not just to get what we need, in order to complete the journey, but it's a tool that helps us to align our will to God's. But aligning our will to God's requires complete trust. But when we do that, when we trust God, when we reach out to him, and when we align our will to his, we find strength. We gain strength to endure whatever it is, whatever, whatever difficulty we may experience on the journey knowing that, that God is there to go through it with us, and that ultimately he is in control, is our strength. In verse 45, at the end of this story, Jesus says, Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. 
So, this night of, of prayer, it didn't change the outcome of what was going to happen. It didn't spare him from his crucifixion. It didn't change God's mind. God didn't answer the prayer the way that Jesus may have hoped when he began praying. But what the prayer did do was align Jesus' will with God's. God's calling on our lives, the things that he asks us to do, the stuff that we go through oftentimes can be very difficult when we experience these things, when we suffer. But as Christians, we can't turn around and run in, in the other direction. We're called to stare death in the face, to embrace our calling, to do whatever it is that God is asking us to do, no matter how hard it may seem. But in that same breath, we have to know that we are not alone in that. We're not alone. We have the guide with us, right alongside us, to help remind us of the, his greater purposes. And we know already that Jesus won. We know already that the resurrection happened, that death was not the end. It was not the final say. In this world, we will have trouble, but we have to take heart because Jesus overcame this world. Nothing that we go through is too much because we've already run. But with all of that said, we have this ability to pray to align our will with God's, to give us that strength to know that, that contentment, to deal with whatever it is that we're going through, no matter how difficult. I first uh, learned this lesson personally uh, when I was in high school. My mom's um, childhood best friend, she had a, a young daughter named Madeline. And um, at five years old, Madeline was diagnosed with cancer. Both of, both of her parents uh, worked, and they had to work a lot extra during this time to, to keep up with um, the medical bills for the chemotherapy treatments that, that Madeline was taking. And they had a hard time keeping up with, with all the bills and also being able to, to take care of, uh, of Madeline and, and her brother Bobby um, on the weekends, because they were working on the weekends. And uh, my mom, you know, learned about what, what they were going through, what was going on, and, and she reached out to her friend and she told her, we can help you. We can, we can help uh, get Maddie to her appointments on, on the weekends, and we can also look after Bobby. And uh, so we started doing that. We started helping out, and pretty quickly that, that turned into um, Maddie and Bobby coming and, and staying, uh, staying with my family every weekend. And they really became a, a part of, of our family. Now, something to know about, about Maddie, um, despite the, the physical sickness that, that she had, she was always so uh, full of energy. She had so much energy that you really couldn't even uh, tell that she was sick. And she was just a, uh, a bright light to, to, to my family and to everyone um, that she encountered. And, and not only did she have this amazing um, personality, but um, from such a young age, she had a very real faith of her own that everyone who, who knew her learned from. When Maddie first got sick, we prayed. We prayed that, that she would get better, that she would be healed, that she would be miraculously healed, that as she, uh, and when she began treatments, we prayed that the doctors would give her the right medicine that she would need and that everything would work out so that she would be okay. And as she got more sick and more sick, 
We prayed harder and harder, and we got groups of people together to pray for Maddie. We laid hands on, on Maddie, and we begged God uh, to make her well, to take this cup from her. For two years, we, we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. But none of our prayers seemed to be working. God wasn't answering us. And as time went on, a change sort of occurred in Maddie. She got to a place where she wasn't afraid of death. She was okay with it. She looked forward to it. She talked about meeting Jesus and how much she, she couldn't wait to, to dance with Jesus. From, from seven years, as a seven-year-old girl, she had more faith, really, than, than any of the people that were around her at that time. And she had complete peace about whatever was going to happen, no matter what it might be. I, however was having a very hard time, and I couldn't stand to think about what it would feel like to, to lose her, to not have this little girl who had become like a sister to me in my life and as a part of my family. And I continued to pray for her to heal, for her to get better, for her to live, for her to survive. I vividly remember the night at the hospital when Maddie's health took a turn for the worse. When I got the call that, that her body was quickly deteriorating, I continued to pray for her to be healed. When we got to the hospital and we went into her room to tell her goodbye for the last time, I still prayed for her to be healed. Standing outside her hospital room, I heard her body violently begin to seize. And, and all that pain that, that she had been enduring for so long, all of her sickness, all of her disease, was culminating in her body in that very moment. She was feeling all of that torment of her sickness. And I was right there, right outside the room, witnessing what she was going through, the, the deep suffering that she was feeling, and, and I kept praying for her to be healed. But then I, I started to, to feel God tug at my heart. And he told me, don't pray for your will to be done, Matt. Pray for my will to be done. And I realized that, that if her spirit would pass on from this world, then her body would finally be free of this disease. She'd be finished with the pain and, and, and suffering that, that had tortured her her young body for so much of her life. So in that moment, I changed my prayer. And after two years of praying the same prayer over and over and over, I finally prayed, God, I want her better. But if you want to take her, God, if that is your will, and if that will free her from, from this pain, from this suffering, then I'm okay with it, God. God, if, if, if the only way for her to be free is for you to take her, Lord, then take her, free her from this. My prayer was answered very quickly. Within maybe 10 or 15 minutes, my mom came and she told me um, that Maddie was gone. And I, I, I never forgot the, the timing of that, of, of that prayer, how I asked over and over for the same thing. But ultimately, God's will was different than, than my will. And in the moment through prayer, after expressing what I wanted so much, when I started to realize that, and when I understood that, and when I changed my prayer, God answered it. 
And in many ways, that is the same thing that Jesus did when he went to the cross. He didn't want to do it. He did not want to suffer. But he took all the pain, all the sin of the world, and he he bore it into his own body so that he may be freed, so that we all may be freed. That was uh, God's will. And, And even though it was physically and emotionally uh, excruciating, it was the ultimate sacrifice that restored and redeemed all of humanity, all of creation back to God. And that same tool that Jesus used the day before he went to be crucified to help him prepare for that, to help him align his will with God's, to find strength to endure that challenge is available to us. We as Christians today have that same line of communication, that same uh, ability to reach out and to talk to God, to share with him what we're going through and to ask him for the strength to overcome, to align our will with his. We cannot take this tool, this blessing of prayer for granted. It has so much power to, to help us live out God's will for our lives, to help us be a part of, of bringing a in uh, ushering in a better reality for all people, for God's creation. We need to be a, a people that pray, that pray often, that, 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 that share whatever we're going through with God, no matter how big or how small. And we need to, to ask him to, to lead us, ask him to guide us. And, and this is also something that we should do together. We need to bring people into the, to the dark places of our own life, to ask them to help us, to bear uh, our burdens with us. And we need to go to our Christian brothers and sisters also and ask them how we can pray for them and really be a praying people. Don't just say, oh, I'll pray for you, but be a people that have faith and trust in God, that he is in control and that he loves us. And with all of that said, we need to pray not for our will, but for God's will.